0: Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Nathan Herndon. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app or website for ways to give. All right, guys, well, you're in for a treat today. This is going to be some of my best preaching, all right? Um, We are uh, we're tackling a topic that I've been I've been talking about for months now because we've been in this kingdom family series We were talking about sex in church today. If you are new with us today uh, I'm not apologizing. I'm saying congratulations. This is going to be the most fun you've ever had in church Uh, But so so just prepare yourself and grab your Bibles uh, Open them. We're going to be all over the Bible Uh, Open them to let's start in in Genesis 1 and 2. Okay, so you can open there That should be easy to find Uh, But I want to pray for us but, But before I do I do want to say this, if you're here and you're interested in leadership at Providence, uh, maybe you feel like a, a leadership calling on your life. Maybe you feel um, that uh, you would like to grow in your leadership. You're, you're interested in not just serving at Providence, but actually leading at Providence. Uh, we're starting something new. Um, it's called Leader Group. Uh, anybody who wants to be in leadership at Providence from here on out needs to go through a 10-week group with myself and my wife, Adrian, uh, where we're just gonna invest in you and speak into you, kind of download the DNA of Providence uh, to you. And so if you're interested in that, Um, I invite you to maybe fill out a connection card, turn it in at the uh, Connection Center, or maybe just tell someone. Can we hear it for our Connection Center people? They're so nice and kind and sweet. They'll figure out how to take your information. And then after church on Sunday, August 27th, there will be uh, an informational meeting for anybody who's interested in this. I hope that 100 people sign up. I think I can only take about 20 to 25, so don't take it as rejection. Um, If you you can't come through this first round, I'm gonna be doing this twice a year. And so it is very important that we wanna take leadership and leadership development and how we lead at Providence uh, with increasing seriousness Joy, but intentionality. And so sign up for that today. Leader group will start September 13th. Okay? Is that fun? You excited? It's going to be a great journey. It's going to be a a 10-week group. It's going to be really good. Now, let's grab our hearts, all right, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you our hearts. That's all you want. You just want our hearts, God. We part ways with heartless obedience that has no power. And today we just say yes from our hearts to you and you're best for us. And we, uh, we want eyes to see from your word. We want eyes to see your heart, and we want a heart to respond. So, Holy Spirit, come do what we can't. Change our hearts. Let us see Jesus as holy. Let us see Jesus as amazing. We just give you this time now, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today, like I just said, we are discussing sex in church. I've been excited about this because it's a topic that is so under-discussed in the church Um, and uh, it shouldn't be. We should talk about this a lot. Let me get the ground rules, though. I'm not going to be going crazy. This is going to be PG, maybe even G. Like, There's no need to say crazy stuff just because we're on this topic. It's a topic that we should should actually grow in an an increasing amount of comfort with because this is not something the world created. It's something that God created. Uh, But I do want to say this. Right now, we're just going to take all the shame out of the room. Okay? Nobody changes via shame. All right? Shame makes you feel bad, but it doesn't actually change your heart. So we're going to take all the shame out of the room. Maybe you have been royally uh, falling in this area. Just today we're taking all the shame out and we're going to grab hope and we're going to grab a trust for God that says he who created sex knows sex better than us. Right? And we're going to have a heart that says, God, your way is the best way. And I'm going to surrender to you today. So even right now, you can have a heart of surrender. God is not trying to make you feel bad. God is trying to give you hope, all right? And I really think that what is going to happen as we as we take that posture, all right, is people are going to get free today. At the end of the service, maybe there will be people on the floor crying. Maybe you need to do that. Maybe that would be a part of your healing or a part of your repentance, a, a part of your coming back to God in his ways. But I think that that, Maybe some people will be up front jumping for joy because this area overpromised and under-delivered. It promised you joy. It promised you happiness. It promised to be what would ultimately satisfy your heart, but it didn't do that, did it? And some, some of us have, uh, actually, we, we bought the lie that sex is what we were made for or sex is, you know, whatever. And it's actually been like shackles on our arms and on our feet. And, and we don't know a life without it. Okay, Today's going to be a day where you're going to get healed or you're going to get free. Jesus wants to do that. I'm telling you, he wants to do that. I really, you know the, the passage of scripture when Jesus is riding into Jerusalem, he gets the first You know, the time he gets an eye shot of Jerusalem, the city that stones the prophets in the city that's about to crucify him. He doesn't get angry. He doesn't go into a shame sermon. That's not how he operated. He started crying over the city. And I really believe, like, church, listen, if you were stuck in some stuff, maybe it's light porn. Maybe it is uh, you're in an affair right now. Maybe it's, you know, fill in the blank. Jesus is crying over you. That is not his best for you, and you know it all right, so this is the posture that we're gonna to take today um and uh, and I, I just wanted to kind of declare that that's why i'm I, I'm not angry at anybody I'm not angry like this is man, I just really feel there's a grace today to chain to get shackles off to jump and laugh or to cry or to whatever we need to do to heal all right so we're discussing this today uh it's it's just simply not a topic that we can shy away from uh, in, in our, uh, not just in the, this world. I think a lot of the things that we're seeing uh, manifesting in the world today, all the crazy stuff and trafficking and all these things, they've always been. They've, th- this world has, has constantly and consistently gotten sex wrong. It's just a lot of stuff is coming to the surface now. All right? And so I just think that's what God wants to do is just get it out, surface it. Deal with it by the blood of Jesus and have fun. I remember it was years ago when... uh I handled this not on one Sunday morning, but I did a, a series called Not Sexy, all right, at Providence. This is probably, I don't know, this is, this is way back, all right. And, uh, you know, I was, I don't know, my early 30s then or something like that. I was just cra- out crazier and I was having a lot of fun. And I was just noticing that whenever we talked about this topic, I did like a whole, you know, four to six week thing on it. It wasn't one Sunday. But, like, people really shot down. Got, like, shut down. They were scared. They got very quiet like you are now, uh, they were just like, ah, and I was like, guys, listen, I said, I said, during this series, I said, instead of screaming, amen, if you're agreeing with the preacher, which they really didn't do anyway, it just, it sounded good, but instead of screaming, amen, or instead of screaming, preach it, or whatever, I said, just scream sex, all right, and does anybody remember this? It was crazy. It was like, like it, it, if this was a six-week series, it's like we started with a few men, all right? There was like thousands of men, it seemed like, at the end of this series, and they were all on the edge of, the, uh, the, of their seats just shouting me down, screaming it, you know? It was really great. And I remember I went, during this series, I went to a giant grocery store. I was standing, I still remember exactly where I was standing. I was standing in the, uh, the refrigerator aisle, um, kind of close to the, the the pastries on that end, and there was I hear this ma- this happy man's voice scream. <laughs> Like that, all right? Like, the entire grocery store could hear it. I promise. Like, it's just like, you know, it got the attention of the people up in the offices. They come out with their binoculars. Like, who is it? What is this? Every head turns, but they all look at me. I'm like, whoa, whoa, easy. And this, and I'm like, where did that come from? The guy screams it again, sex. And suddenly I hear I hear footsteps, not like walking towards me, but sprinting towards me. And this guy just comes and he's like, oh, man, like sex, sex, sex. <laughs> I'm like, hey, easy, easy, get off me. Hey this is and I'm like I don't know this man like I just get away Uh, but I feel like he he what he was doing he was finally saying thanks for talking about this what an important issue but we never talk about it in the church all right so if you need to scream sex at me today listen I can handle that go ahead whatever's going to bring you freedom or shout me down some other way but listen today we're talking about this let me tell you why from the start is because it's important so important Not everything, but it's important. And the problem comes when we make something that's important, but not everything, everything and overly important. All right? So here's three challenges that we're going to be facing as we're plotting through this. Uh, One, I don't have written down, but I'll just tell this. I feel like there's a demonic stronghold that makes people overly uh, offended on this area. Because usually your identity is tied to your sexual preference, and that's not how God wired us. All right. So, but here's three challenges. Number one, most of us have not been discipled biblically or in a healthy way on this topic. Many of us had parents that just wouldn't talk about it, pastors that just wouldn't talk about it. Many, many of us, our discipleship came in the locker room or you know at, you know, at school. If we're maybe a little bit younger, our discipleship's coming from TikTok. Which is, which is really crazy. And if we don't talk about it in church, man, the discipleship's gonna happen, but it's just gonna happen somewhere else. So we've gotta talk about it in church. So that's number one. Number two, there's so much shame in this area. We mentioned this already, but along with that shame, there are secrets, Secret, hidden secrets. Husbands, there's some things your wife doesn't even know. Wives, there's some things your husband don't even know. And, and it's exhausting, is it not? to try to construct a life so they'll never find out. That's number two. Number three is the culture has declared to us that this is not a topic, but the topic. Hasn't it? Everywhere you go, that you you can't sell anything without without sex anymore. It's, It's the topic. And what the culture has also told us is that who you are attracted to is how you define yourself. All right, and that is everything. Who you're att- attracted to, or you know, the, the world's so weird now, it's so wonky that what you're attracted to. It's not you don't have to be attracted to people anymore. You know, it, it's it's not a, you know it's not homosexual or heterosexual anymore. It's it's like if you're attracted to tractors, and as silly as that sounds, or animals. And as silly as that sounds, you have to back off and let people be attracted to whatever they want to be attracted to. And so uh, sexual attraction actually becomes our identity. And guys, ha, 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 no way. You read the Bible for a second. That is not how God defines who you are. Right? There's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of things that can, that can uh, mess up and dictate, just like anything else, your sexual attraction. So we're having to wade through that and what the culture is doing with that, which is really a shame because it's promising freedom. And what it's doing is it's mutilating people from the inside out and changing to trying, that speaking freedom, but it's just shackles and bondage. So this, uh, uh, let me say this, that a culture that does not know God will find and elevate what's second best. Okay. So a culture that has not encountered Jesus as treasure and holy and Lord and best and most beautiful, all right, a culture that doesn't see Jesus like that, will find, let's say this, some of the best gifts from God and elevate those gifts as God. And that is exactly what's happening before our very eyes. But let's not blame on the culture right now. Let's look in the mirror for a second. Like, hello, guys. So many of us, we see Jesus as a guy that gets us what we want hopefully, heaven, family reunions, raises, stuff. But Jesus never promised to get us what we want, he promised to be what we want, to be who we want. So th- this is all messed up, guys. It's all perverted. All right, So we're, we're, uh, I, I just want to say this, that this topic is important, but it's just not that important. We're, we're going to operate in proper perspective, whether you're offended or not. Listen, right now I care more about your freedom than your offense. Okay. So you can be offended like, and you can, you can scream other things at me, like right from where you're sitting. I, I'm telling you this, if you're offended, I'm just going to love you. All right. We do not have to agree. So I've already purposed in my heart to agree to love every person that will hate me after today, all right? I, like, you're loved, you're loved, you're loved, you can't escape it. It's God's love. It's supernatural love. You can't stop it. So you're loved whether you like it or not. You can hate, you can throw you know, whatever you want. I think I, I was speaking at Life Center this week on, on Wednesday night, and Steve S. Palmer told me that he was going to throw uh, soggy peaches at me. I think, and to Italians, that's a good thing, I I don't know, but uh, I was like, okay, listen, you can throw soggy peaches, you're going to be loved because you are, despite your sexual preference, despite your whatever, you are just loved, and you can't escape that by God, and that's how the church should be operating, but let's recap a little bit to what we've already said this series in Kingdom Family about, about sex. Here's what we've already said. It's really just one, uh, one thing. This is where you need your Bibles. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now we find this in the Old Testament. Old Covenant, Old Testament here in Genesis, we find it all the way through, all the way to Ephesians chapter 5, when, when Paul, uh, in, in the New Covenant on this side of the cross, is, is using this as the capstone message. All right, here's, here's what, what marriage is, a man leaving his, father, leaving his father and mother, all right, and holding fast to his wife. Biblically, that's what marriage is. And they, the two of them, shall become one flesh. Now, they is the man and the woman who have left parents and started a new family. So so let let me say all that. When all of that is happening, that is the context for sex. In other words, it is covenant under God, not love. Not saying that you don't love each other. But just because you do doesn't mean you're green-lighted for sex. The context for sex is covenant, not love. Okay? We're going to get into that more, but that is a foundational understanding. Since we don't understand covenant today, we understand contract. This just doesn't make much sense. It feels antiquated. It feels like old school. Like if, you know, if God was writing the Bible today, then he would you know, most certainly change that. No, he wouldn't. No, he wouldn't. No, he didn't. The context for sex. Hey, listen. This is an ancient truth. It's an old. It's an ancient door that we must open and walk through. And we are minimalizing it. We are watering it down, and then not operating. Not operating in the richness of of God's original design. And I've been trying to preach that as hard as I can, that the context for sex is is covenant, not love. You see that in Genesis 2, but you see it all throughout the scriptures. Now let's get to a few new biblical truths that I just want you to see. If you have a photographic memory, file these in your heart. If you uh, you have a a pen and paper or something, or if you want to, I would actually say, put your phones down. D- don't record these. Listen back if you need to do it digitally. I'm serious. Like, the enemy is going to try to do everything he possibly can to distract you, all right? So I would just say, put your phones down. You don't have to, but I'll call you out from the stage. I can see what you're doing, all right? Uh, but uh, it's out of love, out of love. So uh, unless you're playing Clash of Clans and then, you know, fight well. But anyway, so um, the... Uh, a few new biblical truths. Here's here's a really good one. It's going to sound simple, but here's here's biblical truth number one. New sex is good. Sex is good. Okay. Yes. Yes. Did, were you saying yes or sex? Is that uh? Was that yeah? Oh, someone just what, what were you saying? Say it again. Sex. Oh, sex. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. That's what I was hoping. Um. So, but sex is good. Listen to Genesis chapter one verse twenty-eight. And it says, and, and this is, this is the, the first account of creation, and this is where Adam and Eve are in the garden together. God's brought them together, and it says that God blessed them under the covenant-keeping banner of love. And God said to them, hey, here's the first thing that I want you to do, all right? I don't want you to, you know, harvest uh, grapes. I don't want you to do any—here's I, I, the first thing I want you to do. I want you to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That was the first commandment, guys, to, to the, the married Adam and Eve in the garden, be fruitful and multiply. In other words, just have fun with, with, with this gift of sex. All right? So I want you to hear this. The culture and the world did not invent sex. We didn't like somehow morph into it. God invented it. God planned it. God designed it. And in his context, it's pretty fantastic. All right. It is it is at heart good. This is how this is what God did. There's no Do you know that sex was created before sin entered the world? If it was if it was a result of sin, then it would have be been introduced after the fall. Come on, theologians. Anybody? It would have been introduced after the fall as, as, as fallen, as, as wicked, as sinful. And then we would have been, ha- been, been having to battle against it like, man, I kind of, that seems great, but Jesus is better. And No, but God is saying, no, sex is good. It's a gift. It's not God, but it's a gift and it's good under my context. I created it in the garden before sin even entered the world. So it's blessed by God. Here's another uh, reason why sex is good. We, we find this out in Genesis chapter one twenty-eight, like that we just read. It says, "Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth." It's because this is where babies come from. Children, if, if you're wondering, let, let me just answer a hard question that you're sure to ask your parents: Where do babies come from? Sex. All right. <laughs> this is this is how it happens. I know that you know. I, I was when I was learning this stuff as a kid. I was just like, "Oh man, maybe I'm the exception." All right. Like I don't want to think about that nonsense. Uh, but but uh, listen, hey, it is, as hard as it is to think about, uh, it is the reality. God tells Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. So one of the great things that comes out of sex is a generation. It's a generation, all right? And so being fruitful and multiplying, filling the earth is a good thing. And it's another reason why sex is good. Do you know this? Let me, let's think about this for one moment. That pre-fall... Every child that was born, this is, this is what was in God's heart. Now, it hasn't left his heart, but this was the original de- design. That since sex is good, since it's where babies come from, and this covenant love uh, beauty that God has orchestrated, designed, and planned, that written over every child should have been, you were born out of covenant love. Imagine what that would do to a generation, a generation that's, what well, I was born out of covenant love. Wow. Man, talk about shifting some stuff in hearts. And now, now today, very few people get to actually say that. Covenant love is not really modeled or on display much at all. And so the children being born today, there's, there's something missing inside that I wasn't born out of. What was I born out of and what does that mean for me on the deep, deep core level of my being? All right? You were born out of covenant love. This, so this is what's being spoken over a generation. You're safe in covenant love. We're not talking about there's your baby mama, there's your baby daddy. That's not safe. A baby mama and baby daddy can, like, like, that can change. You're safe in the context of covenant love. You are secure in the context of covenant love. You are significant. You're a child born out of love. You're born out of love. That means you're wanted. That means you're important. That means you're protected. You want to see why the enemy is trying to take down at the foundation marriage or covenant love is because if he's successful, he'll declare something intrinsically into the hearts of an entire generation. All right? So God's original design here is so massive. It has roots that go down so deep. Into into hearts into into generations, and so it's almost it's, it's almost like there's instead of having this blessing, you were born out of covenant love. It's like this curse. I don't know who I am. Who's my dad? I, I I don't I don't know. I or maybe I know who my dad is. Maybe I know who my mom is. But that I I don't know if what they've got is going to remain. It's insecure. It's unimportant. It was maybe I was a mistake. I don't feel protected. And when you're feeling all those things, you're going to search for protection, significance, and importance other places. Hello. Do you know the church needs to understand that and stop like locking and loading and shooting at broken, hurting people that have had curses spoke over them instead of blessing? Do you know this? Can compassion be our weapon in these days, guys? Right? Please? Please? All right. So sex is good; is where babies come from, and it's how a generation gets blessed. But it's also made for pleasure. I, I said this already, but the first thing in Genesis chapter one that God told, commanded uh, Adam and Eve to do was have sex. Uh, that the Genesis chapter two, you know, you, you read this. Look at Genesis chapter 2, 22 to, to 25 for a moment. Let me find it. I'm sweating already. <laughs> Woo! This is a wow. Okay, there it is. Uh, Genesis 2, 22, And the rib that, that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Because she's the woman. All right? The is the equal opposite, made for the man's weakness. All right? Then the man said... This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore man... Listen, so she's made. The father then uh, conducts the first ever wedding ceremony immediately. Immediately. I said it that way. All right. You got to put the J in there to really emphasize. You have to know Hebrew and you don't. Just trust me. All right. So, but... (laughs) Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now listen to this. The significance of this just is insane. Listen to the, the, the next verse in the cultural, the, the cultural climate that, that marriage is created in. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So there's no shame. There's just nudity between the man and his wife. That is the incredible, pleasureful context that God created marriage to be enjoyed in. All right. Do you know that this, there's a book in the Bible called the Song of Solomon, and there's a discrepancy on, on what the Song of Solomon was actually speaking to. Um, many people, uh, many theologians say that the Song of Solomon is not necessarily talking about sex between a, a man and a woman, but it's talking about like, the, the, the kind of intimacy that God wants to have with the church. And I would say, hey, I agree with that. But I would also say that the, that the illustration that God's using to show that kind of in- intimacy that God wants to the church is married sex. So I think that the Song of Solomon is a book on married sex. And it just shows, it just shows like a window into the heart like that, that there's more, there's more in our relationship with God. So we've got an entire book of the Bible dedicated to this topic. I do want to say this though, I want to speak, I, I want to speak this this came to my mind while I was studying, but I heard of, of um, a conservative group in the Midwest that there was a pastor that performed a ceremony. He was, he was, I think he was traveling. He was speaking in this church. He performed a ceremony while he was there for a couple. He goes back at this conservative group. I don't really know the denomination. But he goes back maybe two years later, To speak at that church again, they come up to him. He's like, "Hey guys, how are you doing? How's married life and stuff?" They're like, "Well, it's fine." They said, "We just do have we do have a question for you though." Here was the question: This is an honest story. I'm not making this up. The question was, "Hey, do you think it's time for us to consummate our marriage yet?" This is we're talking about two years, right? And the pastor looked at them and said, "You haven't consummated your marriage, or in other words, you haven't had sex yet." Like, no, like we're just you know, we're just not ready for kids, and we're listen. Sex is not just for procreation, it's also for pleasure, and there is, a, there is a, like a mentality that we tend to celebrate and actually even respect, that when you don't recognize the pleasure of sex in the context of marriage, that's actually kind of holy. But I want to say this, having sex in marriage is way holier than that. Having sex in marriage... So it's worship and it's holy unto the Lord. And there's something in the church that is, I would say too, like this area is too close to, like I think this is Minnesota. Theologically, and whatever is binding them, I just feel like like it's too close to us. That we would almost celebrate that type of life where you don't consummate your marriage even though you've been married for two years. Like that is not holy, biblically speaking. And those people need massive help. All right? So sex is created to be enjoyed, but it's not created to be God. We have to hear this. There's pleasure in it, but it cannot be God. And I've said this already. I'm going to say this as many times as I can. When you miss God, his gifts become God's. All right, so what you're looking for for satisfaction, what you're looking for for joy, what you're looking for for pleasure like those things become God, and then, then we, we adopt a kind of Christianity or a type of theology where we use God to get those things inst- instead of uh, take God up on, a, on the offer of Himself. That is biblical Christianity. When, when God is your joy, when God is the gospel. All right? Now, let's listen to this for a second. It's, it's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 13, going to verse 20. And uh, this is Paul was speaking to the Corinthian church. Of all the churches in Paul's day, the Corinthian church was most like uh, the uh, American culture. All right. So he's speaking. And and what's happening here culturally in First Corinthians chapter six is Paul has to address a, a massive error in their doctrine and in their theology. Here's what they were believing in their theology is that there is a physical world and then there's a spiritual world. Okay, And so you do spiritual things, but that that is compartmentalized. And then you can go and do physical things. So these people were actually going and sleeping with p- prostitutes and uh, operating in wild adulterous affairs and stuff. They're saying that's the physical world, all right? And Paul, Paul is saying, no, no, like th- that's not the physical world. You don't compartmentalize different parts of your life. Today we do it like this, who we are on social, who we are on TikTok, who we are in church, who we are in school, who we are on the dinner table. We compartmentalize, but it is all you, Paul is saying. It's, it's a, who you are when you're weak is you, and who you are when you're in church is you. And so Paul is like, there's not a physical world that God doesn't care about in a spiritual world. The, the, the physical world is spiritual, all right? So, so Paul says this. Let me, let me read this to us. Um, lots of Bible today. I can't apologize for that, right? So let me read this to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting with verse 13b, the second part, says, The body is not meant, so here's Paul is, is linking um, this uh, to, uh, to the heresy of the day. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Now, uh, let me also say this. Paul is not speaking to people in general. He's speaking to Christians. All right? So, so just a regular person that is not a part of the family of God through faith, has not taken Christ's righteousness and given God all of their sin and been forgiven. All right? Like, so their, their bodies are not temples of the Holy Spirit. All right? Their bodies are important and, and they're, they're image bearers, but they don't belong to God as, as far as being a part of his family. So your bodies are members of Christ. That's God speaking that specifically to the church. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. How far was I going here? Um, going to... Uh, Yeah, there we go. Let's keep going. It gets fun here. Uh, But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. This is a counter anti-culture message, is it not? You're not your own. You don't get to decide what you do. Uh, when you belong to Jesus, you were bought with a price, verse 20 says. So here's the ultimate aim of your body to glorify God in your body. Now there's a whole lot there. Let's break this down for a moment. Number one, it says, Your body's first need is not sex. Your body's first need is not food. Your body's first need is not shelter. Your body's first need is God. Hear that? All right. So lots of times we excuse our sin by saying, I was tired. I I, I was thirsty. I was, uh, you know, deprived in some way. Now, your, your first need is God. Originally, God designed you and he to connect as the most significant purpose and the only satisfying aspect of your life. That's how God designed it. That he would satisfy you and that you would live from satisfaction in him. He did not design life where you would just be unsatisfied and God would say, you know, he would say, okay, maybe this will satisfy you. And he's giving something other than himself to satisfy you. You weren't made for something other than Jesus. You were made, Colossians 1 says, by Jesus and for Jesus. So you will not be satisfied apart from Jesus. All right? That is a doctrine we're missing in the church. We're missing it. Jesus is the goal. Jesus is the one who satisfies. If sex would satisfy, why doesn't it? Think about that. Man, if I could just have her and then she doesn't work. And I I just have him and he doesn't work. If I just have that and then that doesn't work. It's just like this. You weren't made for sex. You were made for God. All right, so, so your body's first need is God. You were not made for sex or to be satisfied by it. You were made to enjoy it, but you can enjoy something that it doesn't satisfy. All right, so your body's first need is God. Here, here's the number two thing, though, that, that sex is spiritual. Man, if we could get this one down, if a generation would believe this, you know? That like friends with benefits and stuff like that, like just kind of the, the loosening of everything, just the, you know, just the, you know, the, the shallowness of it all. It's just, it's just a physical act. It's just, no, no, no. It's not just a physical act. The Corinthians thought that. That's why they were sleeping with prostitutes in church. All right. But sex is actually spiritual. The Corinthian understanding is there's a physical world, a spiritual world, and that is separate. But Paul is saying sex is spiritual. And and then he goes on to say that sexual sin is unique. It stands alone as far as sins go, all right? It's not unforgivable, but it's unique because it it is a sin against Christ because you're you're subjecting Jesus, who a Christian is a member of his body, and you're subjecting the body of Christ to a prostitute in this context. Or someone outside, or, 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 or some type of sin. So, but you're also sinning against your own body. Now, we've talked about the one flesh concept. The one flesh is, is not just you know the husband or the man will leave his father, and mother, and the wife. You know, hold fast to his wife, and the two become one flesh. That one flesh is not just is not just sexual. All right, one flesh is a, is sexual, but it's also emotional. It's also physical. It's also spiritual. It's also mental. It's all of it. The sexual union is all of that. All right? this, this is It's almost unbelievable. No, how could something be? Well, because th- that's how God made it. In his original design, he was like, these two people, just like, man, I'm going to connect them in a way that they're not connected with anything else on the planet. All right? So when we just kind of become members uh, with anyone or anything else, it gets really wonky. It gets really perverse. It gets really weird. You actually become members of the person you have sex with, physically and spiritually. Just letting things land before we, we uh, go over that. And I know that's where some shame could come in because you be like, "Oh no! Like my body count is huge." All right, and this is why soul care and inner healing is really important. Because it's possible to break off all of those ungodly attachments as old stuff. You break them off easy for Jesus. All right? This is why you shouldn't be ashamed. Like Everybody needs counseling. Everybody needs soul care. Everybody needs inner healing. We've all brought nasty baggage into the Christian life. All right? And we need to sign up today. I'm, I'm telling you sign up today. It will change your life. But, but you become a member with the person that you have sex with. So sex and marriage is, is, is uh, the understanding in Paul's mind is that in his writings, you see, it's, it's not that, like many times we talk about, I mean, we had a lot of sex until we got married. Then when we get married, it, it turns sexless. That is, that is how the enemy is trying to do it. And man, he's actually, you know, he's half decent at it, at it is he not? Paul's understanding would be uh, that it's, it's the exception if sex doesn't happen in marriage. And the only exception for sex not happening in marriage is devoting more time to prayer, the Bible says. You know that? You hear that? So yeah, hey, I'm good with you guys not having sex for a time, so there's got to be a window on this thing, um, so you can pray harder. (laughs) Who talks like this, right? You you want to talk about the, the spiritual fervor in the early church? You're like, man, this week we're just getting with Jesus, just getting with Jesus, all right? And that was Paul's, that is, that is the only time in the Bible where I can see that it is in, in healthy scenarios where it is excusable, it's just the understanding is that a man and woman are gonna uh, participate in this and because it is worship and it's, it is how God designed it in the body, all right? Now, I wanna talk a little bit, I've got a lot of information here, so I wanna talk a little bit about, about this one word, flee, Okay, because this is, if you just read this passage with me, the only practical advice that Paul gives is to, look at verse 18, flee from sexual immorality. Do you know what the opposite of flee is? Flirt. Good job. The opposite of flee is flirt, right? Or the opposite of flee is not flee or stay. So if you're in a situation that is cropping up and it has potential for sexual immorality and you stay in that thinking that you're good, no, no, no. Jesus and I are so good, I'm gonna resist because that's how strong I am, you're setting yourself up for a fall, your arrogance and your pride is gonna be your downfall, I'm telling you. The only advice, practically speaking, that Paul has for avoiding the pitfalls of the cultural scheme. And what the, the culture is throwing at us sexually is flee. Flee from sexual immorality. This is best advice. This is the only practical advice. It's, it's not flirting. It's not, I think that some of us are so broken on the inside that we love to not flee. We love to stay and we just love to feel like the, the sexual stuff, never really participating so we don't have to feel shameful and stuff. But listen, you, if you're not fleeing, you're participating. Do you know that? Uh, do you know that we see this on display with uh, Joseph and Potiphar's wife, Book of Genesis. Do you remember the story? This is not Joseph the, you know, the earthly father of Jesus. This is Joseph in the coat of many colors. Remember that guy, all right? So he is abandoned and rejected by his brothers um, because they were jealous. He was sold into slavery into Egypt. All right. So just talk about a, a, a reason, if he an excuse. All right. An excuse to sin. God's forgotten me. I've been sold. He's got rejection all over his life. Not Joseph, by the grace of God. And Joseph happens to be a good looking dude. And he is is bought as a slave by a man named Potiphar, who is a high up official. And Potiphar's wife saw Joseph and continually came after him, inviting him to bed. Joseph resisted and resisted and resisted and resisted. He'd flee, he'd flee, he'd flee. And then, um, and then one day Potiphar's wife comes. She actually grabs him by the clothes and rips them off. He runs naked out of there. When officials come, because she started screaming, she concocts a new story. She's holding Joseph's clothes, and she actually shares the opposite of the truth. Joseph tried to take advantage of me. Well, they throw Joseph naked into jail. All right, you think in jail Joseph would be like, Come on, God, like, you know, I did the right thing, blah, blah, blah why? You know, all of, this, all of this walking in purity, what did it get me? All right, well, you don't walk in purity because of what it gets you, you walk in purity so you won't sin. Remember that concept? Do, do you remember that concept? That sin is the enemy? And that we don't follow God for what he can get us? We want to follow God because we love him so much. We, we don't want to damage, the practically speaking, the relationship at all. Remember that concept? You flee. See, uh, Joseph goes to jail, but he, and so he fell into a physical prison. He still had God. He, he didn't sin. And that's why this story is so celebrated. <laughs> because it can look like, hey, follow Jesus and look what, you know, look what happened to me. I'm in jail seven years, right? What the, it's, it's Joseph's treasuring of God and his commitment to obedience that actually set him up to be the ruler of the mightiest nation in the world. Who knows how God's setting you up as you just purpose your life for purity, right? As a, as a Christian... Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. As a Christian, you are not your own. You're a member of Christ. As a Christian, you've been purchased by Jesus' uh, blood. And your ultimate goal as a believer is to glorify God with your body. That is your new normal. You don't use God to try to you know, help you out of bad situations. You, Joseph could sit in prison and say, say, God, today I'm in a prison. Not long ago, I was... I was a ruler in my master's house, but today I'm in prison. You know what they couldn't take from me? It's you. I'd rather have you and be in prison, Jesus. That, that's the Christian's message. All, all, like the heroes of the faith that we never hear about were not people that stood on stages and preached to masses. They were people that went to jail or the, or the stake for Jesus because they treasured him more. If you look at, like, right after the Reformation, when the, when the Catholic Church is burning Protestants, it's just, if the Protestants would have just handed them over their copy of, of the Scriptures, just, say, you know, just saying, hey, just take this. I'll get a new one. Like, I value my life more than God's word. They would have been released. Just recant a little bit. Save yourself. They're like, my life, has, I, I am now a slave to Jesus. He is my life. I can't save my life anymore. It's already been saved. I like that kind of Christianity. So here's some, here's some questions that I, I get often after 25 years of ministry. And here's some of the reasoning, kind of the stuff that's going through people's minds as they're kind of clashing with a, uh, a kingdom, biblical understanding of sexuality, and then the clash of the world and some of the stuff that maybe they've always been thinking themselves. But, but here's one thing that I hear so often, whether it's married people or unmarried people or whether this is in the context of affairs or divorce or, uh, or just dating relationships, but people say, you know, you know Nathan... We're in love. We're in love. Like, that's, that, that's why we're doing it. We're just in love. We just can't help ourselves. I'm like, oh, man, that's so, so neat. It's so sweet. It's so, so nifty that, that you are in love. How precious is that? All right? But then I usually follow that by so what? All right? You know, you can be in love and still honor God with your sexuality. You know, you see? But we're in love. Well, who's your first love is the real question. You know, are you valuing Jesus as your first love? Or are you just making excuses on why you don't, you see, right? And the world will come and say, hey, as long as you're in love in a, in a, in a committed relationship or, 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 or love has nothing to do with it, what's love got to do with it anyway? The world, been, the world has been moving that message on that sex is just a physical act. It makes you feel good for, you know, for a little and then you're done and then you're moving on but but really really love okay really love is not the doorway to sex remember what is it's covenant all right. And then other people will come and say, and maybe if that one didn't work, maybe they spend this one on me. They say, Well, oh, doesn't God want me to be happy, Nathan? Like, do you, know, do you know how bad my life is? Do you know how, like, don't you know that I need a break here? Like, doesn't, doesn't want God just want me to be happy? I finally found someone that loves me and is, is committed to me. Yeah, it doesn't make sense for us to get married yet, but doesn't God want me to be happy? And I say, Yes, He does. Come on. Hallelujah. Get out your hanky, turn on the music. Like, He wants you to be happy. Woo! He does. The problem here is you believe that your happiness is tied to an earthly relationship instead of Jesus. You you obviously haven't known the happiness of Jesus yet. You're still looking for it in this world. This is for somebody here. You will be happiest when putting Jesus first. Not putting sex first and Jesus second. That's what you're doing. You'll be happiest when you're putting Jesus first. So doesn't God want me to be happy? Yes, in Christ, he does. And that's a happiness that is supernatural and superior to all other ones. Or how about this one? Nathan, (laughs) you're a little silly, Uh, they say. uh, I don't know why. How could this be wrong if it feels so right? Because this world is saying, hey, whatever feels right is right. All right. How could it be wrong if it feels so right? So let me, let me share like this, this illustration that I, I've used throughout the years. Imagine that um, there's a skydiving team all, uh, of skydivers uh, all diving from the sky, skydivers, jumping out of planes, falling. They've all got parachutes on their back. Do you understand what a skydiver is? All right. Just felt like, man, there's confusion in the room. Well, skydiving, what is what? Okay, uh, yeah, but so the, these skydivers. Let's say there's five of them. They're all diving from the sky out of a plane, and they're all having the best time. I would never do that ever, ever, ever unless Jesus told me to. All right, I would never just just randomly jump out of a plane. And you don't talk about faith, just trusting that this cord has been, you know, is going to release my salvation, right? <laughs> like I, you know, I don't think, you no, know, I'd rather not. All right, so. So but anyway, let's say that people are skydiving. What I hear though is, is when you're falling through the air rapidly, it's it's such a great experience. I've never seen someone skydiving frowning. <laughs> that it's like, I just maybe YouTube this. It's like usually people are like, woohoo! Right? It's like it's like Pentecostal church in the, in the skydive team. It's like, wow, yeah, and they're doing flips and they're like, ah, and they're doing formations. You know, it's just like, woo But there is a time to stop diving and to pull the chute. All right, and let's say that there's the captain of the skydiving team, and he kind of gives the signal to pull the chute, and everyone's going, voom, 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 except for one guy down here. He's still diving, so the guy kind of does the cool like uh, Mission Impossible thing. He goes through the air, gets down, and he's like, motioning to him, "It's time to pull the chute." And the guy's like, "I'm not going to. Uh, why are you not going to?" And he says, "Listen, listen. It feels so right." How could something that feels so right be wrong? Well, because this thing called the ground is approaching rapido. <laughs> no, the ground couldn't, couldn't steal this joy. Yes, it could. It could, and I promise you, in about 12 seconds, it will, unless you pull the stinking shoot. And I just feel like there's, there's so many people today, they're like, like th- this, this, how could it be wrong if it feels so right? It's, it's, such a, it's such a flawed argument. Just because it feels right doesn't mean it is. There is, like spiritually speaking, there is an encounter with the ground that will come. And God says, your ground encounter will come, sexually speaking. Unless you live, it is it is not going to, it is not gonna be good. It's gonna feel good for 12 seconds, you're going to encounter the ground, and then the, just the devastation and the heartbreak that then probably God will get blamed for. God let me crash, God let me burn, all my bones are break. He could have saved me. <laughs> Guys, how it works is, is he gives you the way of life, but he doesn't program you robotically, you see. Like you have to trust him and value him and treasure his word and trust his heart above everything else. Does that make sense? You know that, that in the Bible, Solomon, who wrote the Song of Songs, was probably a sexual addict. He had 300 uh, wives, 700 concubines, and you get the understanding that he wasn't stopping there. And here, here he says, after he, is, after he has amassed a, a harem or a harem or however you say it, of a thousand women, all right. After he's am- amassed this thing, and after he's found out that did not satisfy, here's what here's what uh, Solomon says in Proverbs chapter five, as he's seeing his sons grow up and wanting to see them not do what he did. He says, "My son, be attentive to my wisdom; incline your ear to my understanding, that you may keep discretion, and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman." drip honey. Now, let me tell you, here, here's who's, and, and this, is, this is one place we can say anyone forbidden, forbidden woman, forbidden man, fill in the blank there, but anyone forbidden, anyone forbidden, sexually speaking, is someone that you're not in covenant, uh, in covenant with. Any, so, so husbands, y- your wives, not forbidden, wives, husbands are not forbidden, everybody else is. Everybody. All right? For the lips of the forbidden woman drip honey. Her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is, it's the end. See, the ground is coming. In the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol, or hell. She does not ponder the path of life. Her her ways wander, and she does not know it. And now, O sons, listen to me, (laughs) and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way, listen, far from her, and do not go near the door of her house. I just want to tell you guys, we're living in a world where everybody is making an excuse for why it's okay to go near go near temptation go and, and if I had my phone on me, I'd just pull out my phone because uh, temptation has never been nearer. Listen, you weren't made to see that many bikini ladies. we were not made for that. you see you can't escape it we We're not made for this there's there's things we what, what we ha- what has become normal for us um is is detrimental and poison to our souls. You weren't made to have a device in your hand where you can, you know, my marriage is kind of suffering right now. I wonder how my old high school boyfriend or girlfriend is doing. I just, I just, I, I just want to look them up like, just to see how they're I, Listen, they're important to me. They really matter. I just want to see how they're doing. Oh, they're, they're divorced. Well, maybe, maybe they were for me. Guys, this is, it is a mess, is it not? It is a mess, isn't it not? The sooner you can be honest, the better. All right? How can I be so wrong if I feel so right? Doesn't God want me to be happy? Listen, if you have a Christianity that doesn't, doesn't revolve around the supreme value and worth of knowing Jesus, then you know what you just need to do today is give your heart to Jesus. Give your heart to Jesus. Solomon is saying, hey, sons, Listen. What I thought would bring me satisfaction actually was the was the path to pain. I I I don't, I want you to stay far from. Jesus is enough. Is he not enough? Jesus is enough. God is enough. In the early days of Providence, I was I was speaking on on relationships, and I remember Addie Ferguson was painting a six foot picture of a of a man and a woman dancing. Okay. And it was beautiful. And everybody was like, they weren't really listening to me. They were really watching what Addie was doing. It was just like absolutely incredible. And it's just this man, this woman dancing. There's something like spiritual about it. It's just like, man, it's just beautiful. I think everyone was feeling, man, that's what I want. Isn't that great? Well, listen, she's an artist. All right. I'm not an artist. And what I did at the end of, the me- of my message is I got a cup of paint, and I said, hey, Addie, I said, man, what a beautiful thing you did. I said, but um, just I feel like you just made a few mistakes here, and so I just kind of feel like I want to just touch these up for you and just kind of just paint over your masterpiece and just kind of fix some things. And I, what I was doing is I was not being an artist and not being the designer. I was actually devaluing the painting, the the, the corporate cry of agony when I was doing that I was like what are you doing well God I'm just doing what we do when we take God's design he's the master creative here right and then we just decide to hey you know it's it's 2023 it's time for a few improvements on your masterpiece I just feel like I could do this so who who do you think you are to improve on the masterpiece. And that's what you've been doing. That's what we've been doing. That's what, that's what I've been doing. That's what we've all been doing. Uh, the world doesn't need our addition to the art. The, the world needs the, the pure uniqueness of it and to sit back and go, wow, how do I get in? Amen. How do I get in? <laughs> Man, thank you. <laughs> Jesus loved that. <laughs> how do I get on in this? on this on this beautiful artwork. So, guys, here's what I'm saying. Here's the power that I think will will break chains in your heart and your life, and here's the power that will that will ju- just redo everything in your life. Is that if, when you come to the place where you say, "Jesus, you're better than sex." That's how you fight. So, uh, temptation lurks over here. Temptation works over there. You, you don't stand your ground and like be the man and like oh, I can handle this. So that that is not how you do. You're destined for a fall. What is, when you're, when you're faced with temptation, you say, Jesus is better. I would rather have Jesus than anything. This could be fun for a second, but I would rather have Jesus than it. Jesus, I declare right now that you are better than, than this relationship and this possibility. I declare that you're better to my heart. You're the treasure of my heart. I'd rather have Jesus. If you need to sing the song to yourself on repeat, if you need to have this be the, uh, you know, in, on, in your, in your ears constantly. But some of Some of you here just need to taste Jesus as better, and you never have. You've tried to use Jesus to get what you actually want. You're angry at him that he didn't deliver the way you wanted him to. He was never offering it. You're trying to control him into, you know, into like genie Jesus. And he's just not genie Jesus. He's treasure Jesus, Lord of heaven and earth. And he's inviting you into his world. He does it by invading yours. It's really beautiful. He comes after you. But you must have a treasure encounter. How many people want a treasure encounter? It could get messy and sloppy, but I'm telling you, it's the only way. You have to have a treasure encounter where you see Jesus is better than sex and money and everything better than the life itself, and where he becomes your life, and he becomes your destiny, and he becomes your everything. It's the only thing that I know that can break this, guys. It's the only thing. It's just going to be a vicious cycle if you just try to willpower this. You guys remember I had a... uh, Uh, on my vacation, my rooftop carrier, we're in North Carolina and it was, uh, we were sailing down uh, 80 miles an hour, but Jesus said it was all right. And it opened and all of our stuff went flying out. Remember that story? I shared it a few weeks ago. um, And uh, you know, my wife, lost her shoes and we just, all of our stuff, just all over the road. It was like 11 o'clock at night, Uh, it started raining. I just said, you know what, we're safe. I'm leaving it on the road. I'm gonna be blessed that we're still, you know, the family's still okay, and we just left it on the road. And uh, you know, one of the things that we we lost was, and this isn't expensive, but it was our we had three boogie boards. You know, we just love to ride the waves. It's a fun thing we do as a family. And so when we got to the beach. Um, and we went out in the waves. We had no boogie boards, but I'm trying to teach my daughters how to ride waves just, you know, just, just without the other stuff. And we weren't being really successful. We were having a blast. Though. We were laughing, lots of joy. We still had Jesus. We just didn't have our stuff, right? But there was a family that was watching us, and they walked up to us, and they said, hey, we don't know why. But we just really feel that we're supposed to give you our boogie boards. And they, they, went, they said, would you take them if if we could give them to you. And I, and I said, wow. I said, guys, you have no clue what you're offering us. Our story, and, and the guy said, it, it, he just like, he didn't want to hear it. He just said this, God's great. He went back, he got the, he brought two boogie boards. One of them had a llama on it. I don't know what that means prophetically, all right? But uh, uh, <laughs> anyway, we're having a fun time with like used boogie boards, llama on this one. The other one's kind of tattered and stuff, but we're having fun. Here's, I, I'm ending with this. Here's what I, I feel like. This is what God is speaking over the house. This is what God is speaking over your heart and your life. This is what God is speaking over a generation. That you that let's stop focusing on what you lost on the road. That God wants to restore a future to your present moment. You don't have to you you know hurt yourself or do all this kind of weird stuff to try to you know. Uh, to, to get it back God wants to give it to you for free he wants to he wants to break off ties he wants to give you a new direction he wants to heal he, he wants to restore and he wants to give you a hope and a future that's what the Bible says so if you have destroyed your life sexually speaking and maybe you are right now here's th- uh, repent Jesus is better walk into the, the kingdom where God says, I'm restoring what the locusts have eaten. I'm restoring, you know, the enemy had a plan for you and he deceived you, it was so deceptive. God cries over this, you just bit the bait and, and, and it didn't, and you got caught. And here God is saying, hey, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm breaking that tie. I'm restoring you. And really the question is, is not, do we, how do we work for it? But do we want it? Do you want the life where you decide that, you know, my sexuality is up to me? Or do you want a life where you trust Jesus, the master, to tell you what he wants? And that's really it. And so this morning, I think, I think we have to walk out of here with the answer to that question. What do you want? And so I just want to get, I want to give you a moment here to pray about that and to come forward. And I just ask these guys to just minister over to us in in, uh, music. Maybe some of you have to go get your kids, but I'm telling you now would be a great time to give five minutes to God and to walk out of here with a heart that says, Jesus is my treasure. Sex is not. I went down the unhealthy sex road, but Jesus restored me. And I got forgiven today. And for the first time in a long time, I have a hope and a future because of the power of Jesus, not the power of my own self-discipline. All right. So, if if you want this, maybe just stand to your feet. If you just want to start new with Jesus. Just stand to your feet. If you just want to give him your sex life. Stand to your feet. You just have to get over yourself. Really, is what it comes to. You just have to say, I don't care what any of these people think. It, this matters more to me than anything. So I just so just stand to your feet, or maybe put your arms out in receiving posture. Just like, oh, good Father. You're like a. You're, you're, today we don't say, man, we have to tell dad about this and he's going to kill us. Today we say, I need to tell my father about this. He'll he will receive me. I've I've run so far down the road, but he will take me in. Wow, God, I've got to tell dad about this. And so this morning, God, we just we just tell you, Father, about this. We we've messed this up so bad. But here today we come home. Oh, church, can we, can you just come home today? Can you you just get over your pride and your arrogance and can you come home today and do whatever you need to do but just come home today? You come home by just telling God, I'm sorry, I renounce that and I receive you as my treasure and my satisfaction and my joy and my first love. I just give it to you, God. And I just pray that, that even right now, I know it's sensitive. I know it's hard to stand. I know there's some people that need to stand and they can't. I just pray they wouldn't even feel bad about it. I pray that you would, with their butts in the seats, I pray that you would pursue them. Holy Spirit, love on them call them out of what they're in into something so much greater and so much better God I just pray for a release of power that brings people freedom and I pray for a spiritual ability to see Jesus as holy and that sex would take its rightful places it's just at the bottom of the heap and Jesus we just see you as the one we were made for God just just release release good stuff on your children right now I pray God just bless these kids these, these kids of yours. These kids of yours, God, your children here. Your heart hurts for them. You want, you want them near. Oh, God, just touch them right now, I pray. Can we get the prayer team up here, too? Some of you just need to, uh, some of you just need prayer in this moment. Guys, listen, give five minutes here prayer team up here and if you just need prayer in this area you need someone you feel so weak you feel so rejected dejected shame-filled you just need someone that's going to believe for you and carry God's heart for you I just want you to come right now and uh, and receive prayer all right and uh, we're just man we're just going to hang out with the Lord for a second and when you need to go you can go all right but just just blessings there's newness for you it's do you want it amen do you want it all right Thanks for checking out our Sermon of the Week. If you have questions or would like to get connected, download our app or visit us at providencecommunity.org.